Hello and welcome to another episode of Save Station Report. This week we will be discussing things like Death's Door, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Nope, I'm going to do that again. Okay. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Save Station Report, where this week we will be discussing things like Death's Door, Final Fantasy VII Remake, some old Metroid games, as well as talking about a couple of high-profile delays... Annapurna's interactive sh uh, recent showcase, and having a more sort of general discussion about DLC. I'm your host, Dustin, and with me is Connor. Hello there. How's it going? It's going well. Got, got quite a lot of games on my side to talk about, but that's because they're all very short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do not. So let, let's just let's just get into it then. We don't have too much to discuss anyway. Um, I finished up Death's Door since the last time we talked, and I think that game is wonderful. It's really good. Um, I, I think for the most part, it holds its quality all the way through. There was one instance like towards the end where I got frustrated, but you know that was that was about it. I I really liked that game. I did not do everything it had to offer. I think I spent about seven-ish hours playing it. Um, I know that it's got secret bosses and stuff because I did find one, um, and I feel like it probably has at least three more, and I, I see some people talking about secrets and stuff, so if you're down with that, I, I really recommend Death Story. It was, it was a ton of fun. Nice. Yeah, that's one I have to check out. Yeah, you, you will like it quite a bit. And then I'm just going to get a, my second one out of the way because it'll be quick. Um, I have been replaying the Final Fantasy VII Remake. We are probably going to do a do a little episode on the dlc for that um so i've been playing through the main game uh my my thoughts and opinions on that game pretty much for the most part still hold true from from when we played it last year i really like it um i do think it is way too long <laughs> uh i think some parts of that game stretch a little bit but overall having a great time with it um really really liking that combat i i wish i think my biggest complaint with that game especially on replay I really wish there was a quicker, better solution for handling materia and specifically switching out materia when you have new party members. I think it is, I think it is like one of the most cumbers cumbersome aspects of that game. Yeah, um, especially when you there's a long stretch of the game when one party member isn't on your team, and you know you're swapping materia out for the people that are on your team, and then when they join you, it's like okay, now I have to reslot everything that they had. Make sure it's I also, have enough. And... Yeah, it also has a really specific problem where, like, it, if you don't know, Materia is basically, like, your spell system in that game. And you have to, like, equip it, basically. So you're basically creating loadouts for each character. Um, but, like, if you have a Materia equipped on a weapon that a character has and then you're using a different weapon, when you go to equip that Materia to somebody else, even if it's on an inactive weapon, it will tell you this character has it equipped, but it won't specify where. So, like, there have been totally been times where I don't equip a materia I should have because I thought another character in my party already had it, even though it was just laying useless in a weapon I wasn't using. So I just, yeah, like, some streamlining is... stuff would be nice. And that is a little bit weird. Um, on the screen, there is, it'll show an icon next to the materia for which character has it equipped. It'll be the first letter of their name. Um, if the square is yellow, that means it's on their active weapon. If it's gray, that means it's on their inactive weapon. Oh, I didn't realize that. See, I didn't yeah. know that at all. Yeah, so um, it's it's not very clear as to what 
what's going on there, but uh, there is a way around it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, yeah, good to know. Um, great game, though. I'm, I'm very much enjoying my um, second playthrough of it. Um, yeah, but why don't you tell me about some Metroid games? Yeah, this was the over the last two weeks, mainly over the last week, I think, um, I've been playing a lot of Metroid games. Um, this started, I was thinking about uh, Dustin was playing Samus Returns, and I was like, oh yeah, I should play that since I haven't played it since it came out in 2017, about four years ago now. <laughs> um, so I booted that up, ended up beating it really quickly because... <laughs> I'm crazy and have played a lot of Metroid games, so I knew the formula. Um, and then I was like, you know, I'm on a roll now. I should just keep going. So immediately after that, and by immediately, I mean like that same night. And then the next day I beat the original Metroid 2 Return of Samus for the original Game Boy. How was uh, that just, experience? Did that translate to like modern sensibilities or did you have to like break out a guide for the whole thing? Um, I, I broke out a guide and this is why uh, this holds true for the original Metroid on NES as well. Uh, neither of them have map systems, <laughs> which is really obnoxious, especially for a Metroid game. Uh, Metroid two, I feel like gets away with it a little bit better since it's so linear. Um, but Metroid one can be really confusing especially with its copy paste level design. Um, yeah, so um, I, I knew that going is without maps or no boy. No. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, Carrion. So I, I'm looking at you from last year. <laughs> Carrion. Uh, I, so I knew that going in. So I downloaded just like a map, a general map that, I mean, it had all the items listed. So I knew like I could, I could grab some items if I needed to, but um, with the older games, sometimes they don't actually carry, you can't actually carry all the items in the game. So sometimes it's like, okay, I just don't need to pick up another energy tank cause I'm already maxed out. Um, which is super strange, but Metroid two, you know, having a map, knowing what I was doing, having played two different remakes and having played the 3ds remake prior to this, like the day that same day, uh, I was able to get through it pretty quickly i think it only took me like two and a half hours um you know it's, it's got some some 8-bit uh handheld jank to it but uh it was still pretty enjoyable especially once you get you know the space jump and the screw attack that's always the best in a metroid game so um still pretty fun uh, nice. uh if people are wondering i am still playing samus returns i'm just doing it very very slowly um, I think because it's a handheld game, my brain is like, you, you can't play this unless you're going sober. So I play it like twice a week. <laughs> so they're very yeah. slowly moving through that. I, I really like it. Um, I, I wish it was on a better platform, <laughs> but I really like it. Yeah. If it was on switch, I think it would do a lot better, but there's, and I'll talk about this when I finish it more, but I, I feel like the 3ds really lets a lot of the art in that game down or <laughs> like, I could tell they put a lot of effort into these backgrounds and they look nice, but on the 3DS's, like, what is it, like, 2 280 screen or something? They just don't look good. Yeah, and <laughs> that is, is really a shame. I think it's just limited by its hardware, but... Yeah. Um. So, yeah, Samus Turns, then Metroid 2. So then after that, you know, kept the ball rolling. The next day, I booted up the original Super Metroid. 
on the Super Nintendo. Um, I started it on the Switch, uh, Switch Online version, and then I decided ah, I should just I'll play it on the original console because I have the cartridge. So uh, I went through Super Metroid first time I had actually hundred percent completed that game. I had never done that before. Um, for the latter half, I did use a guide map. Um, I didn't use it for most of the game, but when I was cleaning up the items, I was like, okay, I'm just going to use the guide map because there's some things where they just expect you to go through walls. And I'm like, I'm not going to figure that out. <laughs> um, so much so that the last two times I played it, I didn't know that the spring ball was in that game at all. <laughs> um, but it is, it's just hiding. Uh, but Super Metroid, it's far from my favorite in the series, but this playthrough really let me experience it more as an extension and a continuation of Metroid 1 and 2, you know, as it was designed to be, rather than me playing it after playing a bunch of the other games and being let down because it's older and a lot of the later games do better at what I think Super started. Um, it's just a case of something where the hype for Super Metroid, where people are talking about how it's like the, one of the best games ever and it's like the best Metroidvania ever made and all of that, I think, really did the game a disservice in my brain because I um, kind of, when I played it and didn't immediately feel that way, I was like, oh, well, I don't like this game, which is not true. I think it's pretty great in a lot of aspects, but it is dated in a lot of others. So, you know, taking it in that mindset, I definitely appreciated it more. Yeah. Have you done that thing? I've had to, like, train my brain not to do that when I go back to old games, especially well, well-known ones, where I'm like, okay, people love this thing, but I i can't go into it with that expectation because it's old, <laughs> and that's not fair. Um, it's something that I had, like, even when I played Mass Effect not that long ago, um, I had to go in and be like, okay, don't hype yourself up. Just let it do its thing, and if it's good, you'll like it, and if not, it's fine, too. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's the same problem I have with Ocarina of Time, where for the longest time, I actually really hated that game. But I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that everyone absolutely adored it, and I think it has major flaws. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's still a fine game. You know, it's still enjoyable. Um, I think I replayed that one earlier this year and enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, the later games in the series, namely Majora's Mask and Twilight Princess, I think are way better, but that's also a personal preference. Um, so yeah, it's kind of the same situation where hyping a game up as like the best game ever does nothing to really help a new player for it. So yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things where it's like, it kind of has to be on on the individual to be like, uh, well, <laughs> let me, yeah, let yeah. me tone back my own <laughs> expectations here. It's happened to be with, uh, Okabe. <laughs> Where I, you know, I'd heard so many good things about that game for years, and then playing it, I was bored to tears. <laughs> um, though I think that game does have legitimate pacing problems, but whatever. Yeah, that's fair. Um, although the Super Metroid controls still bother me. Um, this time I actually played with a Super Nintendo controller, which helped. Um, but I still remap the controls every time I play that game because the buttons are not in the right spot. Oh yeah. I'm excited to get to that in my playthrough because I tried to play it once. Um, I think I've said that on here. I tried to play the... I played it on Wii U when it came to that. And I got like... I don't know. I don't know how far I got. To me, it feels like halfway. I'm not sure. But I just got to the water area? Um, It was when you have to break open the glass tube. 
Yeah, so that's... Well, it's weird because Super Metroid, more than any other Metroid game, really, is a lot more open, where you can find areas earlier than you reasonably should. Like, you can open that tube as soon as you get the power bombs, but you really shouldn't go there until after you have a couple more upgrades. Um, So, yeah, it's a little weird in that respect, but... um, my control scheme that I went with for this game for this playthrough was the B button as shoot the A button as jump. Um, I think those two are backwards originally. Uh, I did the Y button as sprint. Um, this is the only Metroid game to have a run button. And then the X button, the top of the controller I did to swap weapons, which is normally mapped to the select button. Um, it just makes it faster because it's, you know, on the face buttons rather than the select button. Yeah. Um, and then I just did the select button to cancel whatever weapon you have equipped. Uh, that was a lot more comfortable for me, so I would recommend that. But, you know, mess around with it, see what feels comfortable for you. There is an in-game button remapping. And then there, if you're playing it on something like the Wii U or the Switch, you can do, like, a button remapping outside of the game as well. Of course, of course. Um, um, oh, so to really to just wrap up my Metroid marathon, I had this. I have this system, the Retro Duo, plays Super Nintendo and NES games, and I had that op- already set up. So I was like, you know what? Let's just actually play the original Metroid. Uh, uh-huh. Something I'd never done seriously. I own the game. I think I counted it. It's like seven times. <laughs> um you know what with the digital re-releases and the bonus one in metroid prime and the gba re-release like i own this game a lot but i've never seriously committed to playing it because it is so dated i mean it just turned 35 years old right um but yeah if you have a map first of all uh that's very important but with that i actually think it's pretty solid you know it doesn't it's hard it's an archaic nes game uh there's some things that i just will never understand like when you die you there's no saving obviously so that's annoying you have to write down passwords if you're going to continue later baby it's 1986 and we don't have a battery backup in this one so password password city um but since there's no save rooms you don't when you die you don't go back to a save room you just restart at the top of the area but what I will never understand is instead of respawning you with full health, it respawns you with 30 health. Which yeah. is like, okay, it's 30. But when your maximum health is like 650 or 700 health, then that's really low. And you have to just grind enemies to get energy pickups. And you have to do that for like 15, 20 minutes to get back up to full health. Um, it's that's like the most annoying part of it um but that was the killer for me uh when i finished zero mission because you get that version of original metroid in zero mission when you beat it oh i did not know Um, that then that counts as eight times yes it's on the (laughs) cart um i i was like i I watched a review a really excellent like two-part review i should probably find the channel um so i can recommend it on here but it, it you know it was comparing contrasting the two releases 
and uh, he was saying that like the farming alone in the original game was such a hell nightmare that it's just not worth it. <laughs> like, it did not look fun to me. Yeah, um, and that's what I and would that's say. That's just based is off that... of somebody else's review. I have never played it, so yeah, take what I yeah, say. Yeah, I would say salt. if you're if you're willing to you know farm enemies for a good twenty minutes or just play on an emulator and use save state so you don't have to do that um you know just save state when you have full health and then respawn there if you die um then i would say maybe give it a shot if you're curious but there's really no reason to go back and play it if you are just getting into the series obviously just don't start with this one because it's dated um, but as a longtime Metroid fan, and that being like one of the few games I hadn't finished, uh, it was it was definitely interesting. And I, you know, halfway through the game, after I got the screw attack, which is a reoccurring theme for Metroid games, uh, I had a lot of fun. So, you know, there is fun to be had. It's just you have to get past a lot of old, archaic nonsense. Cool. Good to hear. Uh, um... The last last one immediately after I finished Metroid One. Uh, I booted up the Game Boy Advance and blasted through Zero Mission. <laughs> uh, all Zero of my complaints. A cool game. I can confirm. All of my complaints about the original uh, were fixed in Zero Mission. Zero Mission also adds a lot of quality of life features that Metroid Fusion added, uh, like grabbing ledges. It's relegated to a power up in Zero Mission, but is very useful. Uh, makes the jumps a lot uh, easier to pull off. <laughs> um, and yeah, I think. You know, playing a lot of these back to back, I think Zero Mission is still my favorite 2D entry in the series. Um, it's just so well polished. Yeah, it's short. You know, I beat it this time, this playthrough, I beat it in an hour and 50 minutes. Okay, that's for you. It took me like five hours. It's fine. Yeah, it's <laughs> if you've a fun never length. played these games before, it's totally the length is totally acceptable. Oh, and even if it was, you know, like three hours, like I still think that's fine because it's so enjoyable to play. Um, Zero Mission does guide you if you need it. You know, it has map waypoints and uh, says, okay, go here, but it's not going to tell you how to get there. So you kind of have to explore a little bit to figure out how to get to a spot, but at least it gives you direction. Um, So you can get through it. But like for me, someone who's played it several times and has played a lot of other Metroid games, uh, I knew what I was doing. I had also played the original just before it. So I knew the order of the power-ups. Um they add new stuff for Zero Mission, but it's still pretty similar. Um, yeah, Zero Mission's a fantastic game. If you're going to start with Metroid, any, like if you've never played a game, start with Zero Mission. That's the best one to start with. And then if you're really looking to get into it, I would suggest playing Fusion, Super Metroid, and Metroid Prime. I think those give you a little bit more of what Metroid's about. Less so Fusion because it's pretty linear, but um, Super Metroid and Prime being that non-linear stuff is a good way to really get a grasp of that. Um, so yeah, that was all within five days. I played five Metroid games. <laughs> a lot of Metroid. You 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 burned out, or you're like, I'm ready for more. Um, well, I played Fusion earlier this year, so I've got I've played through all four of the 2D ones, or all of the 2D ones. Uh, so now it might just be time to bust through the Prime games. I don't know. We'll see. All right. Neat. Um, you you went back to Luigi's Mansion, I see. Oh, I always go back to Luigi's Mansion. 
that's another game that's super short. I beat that one in just under two hours. That is a short game. Uh, um, throwback to the first episode of, of this podcast. Yeah, that episode is rough because it's got a lot of issues and technical stuff, but I absolutely adore this game. It's still one of my favorite games ever. It's my favorite in the Luigi's Mansion series, and um, there's something just endlessly replayable and charming about it. And yeah, I was watching some youtube video about it and they mentioned it and i'm like you know what i'm just gonna play it <laughs> i have i have a spare couple hours i'm just gonna play all of it yeah not not a bad call pretty good afternoon time waster there um uh why don't you tell me about spider-man you've been working your way through that again yeah i i played miles morales when i got the ps5 you know shortly after i got it um i got the version that came with spider-man remastered and so I've just slowly been chewing through that one. Um, I mainly put this on here as an apology to Dustin because he loaned me Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart and I still have not booted it up. He's had that thing for weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I've had it for so long and then I'm like, I'm going to play five Metroid games in a row. Um, oh, I'll get to it The other Insomniac game I've already played. <laughs> but it, Yeah, but that one's installed and it's already there. And I'm like, oh, but I can just pick this up and play it for a few minutes. And by a few minutes, I mean like a couple hours and then take a nap on the couch. But <laughs> yeah, I'll get to Ratchet and Clank soon. Spider-Man will go on hiatus, but uh, it's it's a good game. It's hard to put down. Yeah, it's great. That game has a really nice pace. Um, both Spider-Man games, honestly. They're, they're, they're like, we need a word for the equivalent of a, the video game equivalent of a pace shooter, you know? Yeah, it's one where... You could kind of set your own pace if you want to, but the way they give you side stuff as you go is still really good because I'm the person that when they gave me all the side stuff at the beginning, I did all of it before the next story mission. Yeah, that um, game is really smart about not overwhelming you. Like it's it doles out that stuff at a rate that feels both like satisfying and quick, but also slow enough to where it doesn't feel overwhelming. It doesn't have the Ubisoft problem of loading into the open world after you beat the intro and then having a billion icons to go find. They, they kind of dole that stuff out pretty smartly. Yeah, and I like how the main world, you know, the city of New York, evolves throughout the story. So different different crimes will be happening based off of what's going on in the story. And uh, all that's really interesting. Yeah, totally. Um, so how are you finding your, your revisit there? Um Still um, it's still time. it's still so good yeah i think the um the graphical leap for the ps5 isn't as noticeable as it was in miles morales but you know having ray tracing having it run fully 60 the whole time um the ad added like graphical effects and all that is so great but really at its core it's the same game and it's still immensely enjoyable yeah totally um it's the, the ray tracing mode in that game is amazing because you got all those glass you got all the buildings basically and it just it really it's a really great showcase for it oh and even i had forgot there's a part in that game where you go through a hall of mirrors oh yeah and i was like i just kind of stood there because i'm like oh you have to run after this guy through the hall of mirrors and i'm like i'm gonna just stand here and appreciate these mirrors because they're warped <laughs> and they're warping the image yeah that's a it's a gorgeous game um um still a weird right way then. to buy it though <laughs> oh you still can't buy it separately from miles morales which is weird 
Um, yep. All right, let's let's talk about some news. We only pulled two news stories today. I kind of, I, I just woke up this morning, threw this together. So, apologies for that. I know other stuff happened, but th- this is what I got today. <laughs> um, but let, let's let's take a let's take a pit stop in Delay City. Everybody's uh, not everybody's favorite city. It's just kind of a city. You understand why it's there. You understand why you got to go there. Um, we understand it's not a fun place to be, though, <laughs> right? Um, two high-profile delays this time around. We've got uh, Kenna Bridge of Spirits, which has only been delayed about a month. Um, that's coming out on the 21st of September. I pulled that from uh, Eurogamer. Thank you for the reporting on that. Um, I, I'm a little disappointed because I was really looking forward to playing that game soon, but you know, not that much long, much more time. How do words work? Um, September is looking pretty full, though. <laughs> it is. It sucks. Um, sorry, Death Stranding <laughs> director's <laughs> cut. You're you're cut. I have cut you from my potential playthroughs this year. Um, oh, sorry, Death Stranding. We got that. We got Death Loop. Uh, we got Fist, which looks awesome. Uh, September is looking pretty uh, pretty packed. Got outer. Uh, we'll get to that. Uh, the other delay. <laughs> Uh, the other delay, a little more, well, delay, question mark. It has not been officially announced as of the recording of this podcast, which is uh, Saturday the 7th. So, you know, if that changes soon. Um, but according to reporting from Bloomberg and uh, Giant Palm, uh, the Horizon Forbidden West has been delayed to the first quarter of next year. Which, uh, I guess, you know, given context at this point, since they haven't given a date, that's not too surprising. Um, I will say, I was so confident this game was going to happen this year. I was so confident, and I was so wrong. Yeah, I um, was really not confident at all. It seems like a big a big release like that. I'm like, mm, I, especially when we didn't hear a lot for a long while, I'm like, this is not coming out this year. Yeah, um, again, not official yet, but it's you know, looking like it's probably going to be official soon. Um, yeah, whatever. First, first quarter of next year is what, what these reports are saying, so... You also know, in the end, time. not that long. What'd you say? Also a full release time. Oh, it always is. Always. Every year, every year, a billion games go first quarter. <laughs> You're like, oh, cool. Um, let's talk about Annapurna, because they had a showcase. Um, all right. Uh, so I pulled Rock, Paper, Shotgun has a rundown of all this that I pulled from, so thank you to them for that. Ah, sip some tea. About to fly away. I got a fly in this room. It's really annoying. Um... Stupid flies. So I'm gonna run it through this real quick. Uh, the first game they they showed again was the Artful Escape, which I feel like got announced like years ago, and it was nice to see that again because it looks cool. Uh, that is hitting September 9th on Xbox consoles and Steam. Did that do anything for you? Um, I like the art style and <coughs> the animation style, and the voice acting also was pretty good in the trailer. So yeah, it's got like a star-studded cast. <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm gonna. This is one to keep my eye on for sure. They yeah, didn't really give me. You don't know. Yeah, it didn't really give me a sense of how it controls or how the game plays, but um, I feel like that's also not really what it's about. <laughs> so I feel like we got long gameplay demos, but that was again like four years ago. So I don't know if any of that's changed. Honestly, it feels like this is the first time I've seen this game. So it yeah, it's, it was it's definitely I, it was announced forever ago at like an Xbox show or something. It was it was one of those things where I was looking at it, I'm like this looks really familiar. <laughs> to look it up 
Um, I think it was called The Artful Escape of something, something. Like, it had a really long title that seems to have gotten cut down. Um, but yeah, cool to see that again. Um, next game, which was just announced not that long ago, Neon White got a new trailer um, that it's heading to Steam and Switch this year. That is, if you don't remember, the sort of first-person shooter-looking thing, but it's also a card-building game. It is from Ben Esposito, the creator of Donut County. Uh, it looks creative. Donut looks County, neat. What Remains of Edith Finch, and Sonic Dreams Collection. <laughs> yeah. That uh, Ben Esposito. I feel like I always want to bring up Sonic Dreams Collection when I'm talking about it because it's so wild. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. But Neon White, yeah, it's... I I get the sort of hesitancy when it brings up the card system, but it doesn't like the fact that their card seems really superfluous um it's mainly there to you know get you to think about the fact that you can discard them uh basically you pick up the guns pick up cards that act as your guns as you go but you can ditch the gun at any time to do like a movement uh like a special movement upgrade move that's how that sentence worked um so it can be either a double du- double jump or an air dash or uh, maybe like flying towards an enemy uh so you know you're balancing having a weapon or having a movement uh and then it's all about like speed running a level uh this one looked interesting when i first saw it i think it was in a switch nintendo direct it was uh, i am even more excited now to not get this on switch i'm going to get this on pc because it seems very you know you need that sort of precision with the first person perspective but yeah this one's this one's got me hooked yeah i'm tentatively interested i really like card things are such a turnoff to me and like i need to i need to know how that system works is this just basically graphics for guns that work like any other first person shooters and just chose to make them look like cards or am I like building a deck? I don't want to do any of that. I don't want to build a yeah, deck. I'll be honest. If I'm building a deck just in a graphical. game, I'm out. <laughs> okay. It's just graphical. You can have multiple of the same gun, but the actual card locations in the level seem to be set. So it's always going to be the same every time. There's no random element to it. You're not going to draw a card out of your deck. You can cycle between them at any time. I think it's just graphical. Okay, okay, then that makes me a little more interested. Um, next thing they showed was a Memoir Blue, which I believe is completely new. Um, I think, I don't remember seeing this anywhere. I think uh, this is a new reveal. Yeah, it's coming to everything, including the Apple App Store, which I thought was interesting. Um, so maybe an Apple Arcade game, probably. And uh, it just looks like a like a really sweet adventure game, it seemed like. Um you know, it was kind of a... I, I didn't really get anything for the trailer other than there's, like, multiple art styles in there. They look really nice. Um, I don't know. It's it's one that, like, I'll definitely keep my eye on. Um, has sort of that, like, like really nice 3D look and then a 2D look it looked like it was using both. I don't know. It looked cool. Yeah, and this, this next one is Storyteller. Uh, this is coming to Steam and Switch. Uh, there's also a demo currently on Steam. Did you play the demo of this one? I have not. I have not touched it. Uh, this was like the one thing they showed that I looked at it and went, I can sincerely say this one's not for me. <laughs> That's it, fair. It looks, it looks fine. I, I have a little, like it has a nice art style. I have a little, like my concern with it is I look at that and I'm like, how much content is here? 
Um, the idea is that you're basically picking words to craft a narrative. And it looked like kind of like a little jigsaw, or not like a jigsaw puzzle, but like a little, little like logic puzzle you're putting together, you know, like if then statements maybe, I think. It was, yeah, it was that's, a little. That's basically what tell. the demo was. There's no words really, there's just like these images and scenarios. Oh, did you um, play the demo? I did play the demo. Oh, I apologize. Tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's basically like figuring out this logic puzzle of you know cause cause and effect you have to set something up so that something else can happen later on it gives you a goal but not like how to get there and there's sometimes better ways to go about it they give you more it's all basically structured in a comic panel so you put a scene and then whatever characters and then something will happen based off of what scene it is and then you have to set it up so that something happens um the demo the stage that the demo ends with got like a little bit tricky trying to like set everything up um but you know just like in terms of puzzle design just trying to think about how to get something to work uh so if there's more of that later on in the game i could see that being a lot of fun um but you know after i finished the demo i was like okay that's about all i need to see (laughs) okay yeah well that's interesting here because their trailer did not give me the sense that it was really heavy on puzzle stuff at all it kind of to me just looked more like a like, it gives you a prompt, and then you kind of try to make something work. You know, like, it didn't really communicate to me that there would be a challenge. <laughs> Which I think is why I kind of dismissed it. Um, you know, not that it doesn't look cool. I just, for me, I, just, I was like, yeah, this one's probably not for me. <laughs> so that, that's interesting to hear. Um, next one we're both excited about, though. Solar Ash, coming October 26th, which I believe is the first time we've seen that specific date. Yes, we have You know, no new details on date. this one. Um, we've seen it a bunch, so... Yeah, just still looks great. Very yeah, excited. It was shown at a PlayStation Direct um, a couple times, right? And then mm-hmm. we got this one. Uh, same people that did Hyperlight Drifter. <coughs> um, it looks very fast-paced, action platformer, uh, really cool art style. I'm still very excited. Yep. Then we got the announcement of Skin Deep. Uh, this is a roguelike. It seems to only be coming at Steam at the moment, at least according to the Rock Paper Shotgun write up. Um, it's a neat cartoony art style. You're saving cats on a spaceship. <laughs> you know, it's it that looks cool. It's totally that thing where you're going to know if you want it based on the trailer. Um, it, oh, is this you... that first person? Yeah, it's a first person shooter. Did you play that game, um, Void Bastards? from like a year ago no but that's one i have been have it kept an eye like on i think i think i have a have it free through something i should play it but it was on game yeah, Pass for a while that was the kind of vibe i was getting from it too but it seems like yeah it's roguelike but it seems a lot more rather than just being like a first person shooter because we have a couple roguelike first person shooters like mother gunship and whatnot but uh this one seemed to be a little bit more puzzle focused almost like an immersive sim type thing they showed where you get a gun but the gun has no bullets so you have to like throw it at an airlock panel to suck the enemies out um yeah lots so that's silly humor in the trailer like it seems like it's very goofy yeah but it seems like it's a little bit more thoughtful like planning gameplay rather than just run and gun so yeah which um from a little i only played a little bit of void bastards it's that was seemed very similar to me um before i realized oh this is a roguelike it's not for me (laughs) (laughs) fair enough but yeah this looks cute and fun um stray 
this has uh, been delayed silently to early 2022, because I believe that was supposed to be this year. Um, we got to see an extended gameplay demo of it. I, for some reason, was under the impression this was like a 3D platformer, and it kind of is, but it's more like a Naughty Dog style game, like an Uncharted. Um, seemed very linear, uh, and it looks really nice. I, I think this looks great. I'm, I'm in on it. Yeah, I'm I'm sold on it. I was sold on it uh, just based off of like the graphical style and the characters design um cuz that's the kind of person I am. I see these robots with TV heads and I'm like, "Cool. Uh where do I buy it?" <laughs> um but the gameplay itself looks pretty cool. You know, the, yeah, the platforming is pretty scripted. It looks like you just push a button and you'll jump there. Um but you know, having a sort of puzzle element and then a light combat system very light but just um you know sort of like this puzzle platformer this puzzle adventure game that that could be interesting yeah i i think this looks good i think yeah you you hit my initial concern was like it looks a really linear like you're not doing much for the platforming it looks like you walk up to an edge and then push x and it'll automatically jump up there so i'm a little like okay but when they showed more combat and stuff i was more on board um yeah even if it's just like a one of those classic point-and-click adventures you know it's a little you, you're walking around but it's a just an adventure game finding items using items talking to people uh i could still be on board with this one yeah um we'll see we don't i don't think we have too much longer to wait for that um i, I like all the neon stuff that'll that'll be good for hdr which i'm always a big fan of um then we got a dlc announcement for the outer wilds called echoes of the eye as somebody who has not played that game, that trailer made no sense. It is out September 28th, so I'm sure we'll find out what that means soon. As someone who did play this game, platinumed it, and absolutely adore the, adores this game, uh, I am very excited. <laughs> nice. Um, yes, I, I it, yeah, it's just it's an add-on to the original game, so it looks to be you know, taking place in the same environment. It's still, you know, you could still explore what was in the base game. Uh, but there's more stuff happening on top of it and even more stuff to explore, uh, which is very exciting. So uh, we'll see what that looks like come September. Did they mention a price for this one? Is it free? or? Uh, I don't think so. I don't remember uh, seeing a price. Okay. I mean, even if it's paid DLC, I'll, I'll get it. It looks fun. <laughs> All right. Uh, it, throughout the show, they announced a bunch of new partners they'll be working with and you know, you know, I like talking about new developers and stuff like this, even if it's like not immediately satisfying, because it'll be interesting in the future. Uh, so one of those was Outer Loop. They are the creators of Falcon Age, if you remember that VR game. Um, they didn't really name or date what their next game is. So it's some snippets of like some skateboarding, which, you know, I'm down for. Um, so maybe it's a skateboarding game. We're not sure. <laughs> they didn't say for sure, uh, but cool. Uh, then the ne- the most exciting partnership for me at least uh, Jessica Mack um, sh- she has worked on games like Everyday Shooter and uh, most excitingly Sound Shapes which I love <laughs> dude if now, you haven't played Sound Shapes play Sound Shapes it's so good was this the one that was on PSP way back in the day uh, it was on Vita okay I remember seeing it on one of those Playstation handhelds and it looked very fun yeah, I believe it's also on PS4. I think they they got a port. Um, yeah, musical platformer. It's excellent. Um, it's it's a really beautiful game. 
so yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for whatever whatever Jessica's working on. That's that's super exciting on my end. Um, um, they did show a little bit of a teaser of it, and it looked very much like a Cyanire Wild Hearts, um, which I have not played yet. But oh, see, I got Res, but I mean that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, that was the kind of vibe I got from it. There's no concrete details at all, but yeah, very exciting. Um. Ivy Road is a new studio um, formed by uh, one of the creators of Gone Home and then another creator of The Stanley Parable. Um, so, you know, you get the uh, serious and the silly in there, I guess. Um, uh, and the Minecraft composer is also working on the game. Um, no real details on that at all, but cool. That's, that's yeah, going to be Not exciting. even any glimpses of anything, but um, this was interesting, though, because I believe the studio crows 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 is still working on that expanded stanley parable like the deluxe version yeah i mean i i don't know i don't know like this is just one person from that team so i don't know yeah so i'm guessing i'm thinking that that's just credentials because there is a expanded version of stanley parable coming out sometime yeah, that's true. I forgot about that. God, they're late on that. Yeah, Stanley I'm on their Parable mailing really list, and, it's, and they keep we're like, yeah, it's coming. Just we're working on it. It's like, okay, take your time. If you haven't played the Stanley Parable, it's definitely worth your time. It's it's excellent. Um, um, and then no code developers of Observation, which is that like space camera game, um, from a couple of years ago. They're making something new again. Didn't really give any details. Um, yeah, but... I I liked the games of theirs that I played. I played Observation and Stories Untold. Um, Observation's the one where you play as the ship's AI and you can jump into cameras and help the crew out and whatnot. Um, and then Stories Untold, you're mostly just like sitting at a desk and pushing buttons as a puzzle, but then stuff around you is happening. Uh, they do great at doing like scripted horror-esque uh, stories more so than like pure gameplay. Um, I think even in this partnership clip, they're like, yeah, we don't mean to do horror, but we just end up doing horror, horror for every yeah. of our, all of our games. Um, so yeah, I think, I think this is exciting. The, Last the two that I played were fun and interesting, and then this one, whatever it's going to be, could be interesting. Cool, cool. Uh, just some really quick. They did like a really quick like sizzle reel of like some ports of their games coming other places. Um, I am dead is coming to PlayStation Four and PlayStation Five on August 9th. What remains of Edith Finch is coming to the App Store on August sixteenth. Uh, so both those really soon. The Pathless is coming to Steam on November sixteenth. And uh, Gora Gora and Telling Lies are coming to Game Pass. And that yeah. was Annapurna's show, which was really good. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, um, Annapurna just tends to put out cool stuff <laughs> in general. Yeah, I was looking and I was like, oh man, a lot of my favorite games of the last couple of years have been published by Annapurna. <laughs> yeah, they're like... on that Devolver Digital level where you can like you know, where they're clearly just good curators. <laughs> like, oh, you just find cool stuff and then you give it to us. <laughs> nice. Yeah, because um, they published Outer Wilds, which was my favorite game of 2019. Um, Kentucky Route Zero, which I love. Donut County. Um, 
yeah, they, they just published some good stuff. Yeah, totally. Um, I thought it was a fun show. If I had to, crit- like, you know, I, I like to critique these dumb shows. Um, I, I wish some of the partnership videos were cut down a bit. I think some of those went on a little too long for me. But other than that, I thought, like, as a whole, the pacing was pretty good, um, which is what I'm always looking for out of these. Uh, you know, some people should take notes <laughs> from Annapurna. Uh, yeah. So good show all around. Uh, let's talk um, about the main I've, topic, though. I have one more news story, and this was a quick one that um, Team Asobi launched their website. Oh, that's right. I forgot to put that in here. Um, I just figured we should mention it. Uh, Team Asobi, yeah. who you know, who did Exciting. the Astrobot games, uh, they launched an official website, and on there is teasing their, quote, most ambitious game yet. Um, Give me that that's full Astrobot sequel, baby. <laughs> Here's hoping it could be something new and unique and whatever. I'm on board. I, so, I feel like they could do something. There are really job listings. And uh, if you go look at those job listings, it's like pretty clear. They're making it at the very least a cartoony platformer. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. I'm yeah. on board. Yeah. So it, pretty exciting. Um, I think Astrobot, I think a full Astrobot, you know, game, and I know it was on VR, but like a, a new, like truly full sequel that everybody can play has potential to be like like in quality at least rival something like a mario or whatever so that's that's very exciting news um let's talk about our main topic of the week though which is just dlc we're gonna you know we're just gonna have a general discussion about dlc um i kind of split these into like four topics and then you added a fifth and then changed some names around so um uh so thanks for messing it up <laughs> no oh the only um, thing i really did was capitalize names so uh so yeah so four categories of dlc and this is like not a perfect system like lots of these crossover and are, are the same thing and you know just whatever so just 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 to help with the discussion here um one of these is like the sort of games as a service game um sort of this game that like will constantly be getting new additions either for free or for paid um, that's meant to kind of hook you and keep you playing it forever. It's kind of meant to be like your one game if you want. Um, stuff like that would be like Destiny or Animal Crossing, the Avengers game, Splatoon, Halo Infinite when that comes out. Um, Modern Call of Duty is a weird one because they release a game every year. So it's like that for a year and then it then it drops completely. <laughs> so that could be floaty. Uh, Fortnite, of course, and then literally any MMO. Those all fit into this category. Um, next one, this is a weird one, uh, DLC multiplayer specific. This, this one, I feel like, unless you're one example in this category I've put, it's kind of outdated. Like, most people don't do this anymore, uh, mostly because the other one that we just talked about is more popular. So this is kind of like a legacy thing. Um, so I'd put, like, old Halo, so if you remember, like, Halo 3 and Reach map packs and stuff like that, uh, Call of Duty battlefield also all fit into that category mario kart 8 got a bunch of track dlc and then the only one that is relevant to this day i think is smash brothers ultimate which is still getting dlc releases um for a little bit there's only one left yeah it's an interesting one because when i say it's outdated i think it's because most people realize that releasing dlc especially for shooters when you're talking about maps and stuff is actually really harmful to the game because then you split the audience and who can play on what um and so that like harms the longevity because then the servers take longer to find matches and people just stop playing them quicker. Um, 
So so this this has kind of been phased out in recent years. Um, the next category is story DLC. You know, this is things like your Minerva's Den for Bioshock 2 and your uh, like all the Mass Effect DLC, the Witcher 3 DLC, uh, Undead Nightmare for Red Dead Redemption, Left Behind for Last of Us, um, Frozen Wilds for Horizon Zero Dawn, the Breath of the Wild DLC, the new Final Fantasy VII stuff, uh, the upcoming Ghost of Tsushima DLC, um, almost every Assassin's Creed. Uh, Gears of War has uh, some excellent story DLC that I don't feel like people talk about enough. Uh, Control had had some. Oh, and you're right. Splatoon had some. I didn't. I forgot about that. Um, yeah, this is this is where I'm thinking a lot of when I think about like my favorite DLC, it does fit into this category. Yeah, um, agreed. So obviously, Minerva's Den for Bioshock Two is probably one of the best like standalone DLC expansions out there. Yep. Um, it almost tells a better story than the main game in a very short time frame as a lot of really unique powers. Um, also on this list would be like burial at sea for Bioshock infinite, um, which I still have not played. I need to fix that. Oh my God. You never played that. Okay. No, I let's just let's circle back around, around um, real quick. Let's get through the, these other two. Um, you also put Spider-Man in this category as well. I should note. Yeah. That's uh, next the category city that never sleeps is uh, DLC that they, they gone done too far and made a whole damned new game out of it it is no longer dlc it's just kind of a shorter game uh ratchet yeah, and click is... quest for beauty for booty not quest for beauty uh infamous first light spider-man miles morales halo 3 odst uncharted lost legacy and shovel knight sorry finish your sentence <laughs> yeah this is something that is a little bit like has it been happening quite a bit in recent years where they're like oh we were working on dlc and then here's the whole new game it's not going to be as long as our a proper sequel, but here it is. Um, Shovel Knight gets an honorable mention on this one because they did it three times. <laughs> yeah, that, that is wild. They're like, that oh yeah, probably... it's a it's a whole new game uh, three times. <laughs> yeah. Technically um, four if you count the like Smash Bros clone one they did. Yeah, and then you added a late fifth category in here, which is DLC made for re-releases, which is an interesting one, because if you can't get it outside of that re-release, should that count? That's a weird one, right? Is it is it DLC? Uh, probably not. Yeah. Uh, this one's, yeah, this one's weird, um, because it's like, we saw this a lot with, like, the Deluxe series on the Switch, where it's these Wii U games being brought to the Switch, but then they add bonus stuff on top of that. So this would be, like pikmin 3 deluxe where they added an entire side story uh exclusive to that version pikmin 3 deluxe also includes the dlc that the wii u version had which i only bought some of uh, mario kart 8 deluxe where it completely uh added and replaced the old battle mode uh mario 3d world plus bowser's fury bowser's fury was like a complete add-on um also on here is like captain toad treasure tracker where they added the mario odyssey levels uh, Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition, where they added an epilogue chapter to the Switch version. And then, technically, Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrade. I know you can buy that separate, so this one is closer to a DLC, but it's only for the PS5 version, so I feel like yeah. it kind of fits here. I mean, a lot of these crossover, right? Ghost of Tsushima as well, and Death Stranding, that director's cut, would also apply. Um, yeah, yeah, that's an interesting one, because, like, 
to me, like, Bowser's Fury not being available separately. Like, you can't buy 3D World and then add on Bowser's Fury. <laughs> so it, it's a weird... Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> yeah, because it's not really DLC, but it is an addition more to to an existing game. You just have to buy the game again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's a hard one. I'm gonna say that um, gives that this category gets a half apply. That's fair. Um, if you're me, this also includes Shovel Knight because for HDLC pack, I just bought the game again. <laughs> that's a what? Okay. <laughs> um, I I just done uh, Shovel Knight four or five times. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. So now that we have our categories down, I I think obviously, you know, most people would identify the story, the the sort of, you know, the expansion style content as being the 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 notable, the best. Um, at least most people probably listening to like a podcast like this, right? You know, I know there's a lot of people who love games as service games, so Destiny and all that too, and that's totally valid. Um, yeah, like I said, I think the multiplayer category is almost all but dead um, for for obvious reasons. I think that first category I mean, kind of cancels know, it out. <laughs> I think fighting games, even fighting games, yeah, have kind of steered away from it because I was thinking like Street Fighter V did a whole games as service thing. It's broken as hell trying to unlock it without paying for it, but um unless they've significantly changed it last time i looked at it but uh you know you could still buy it separately as like additional packs and whatnot right so i have a question for you um and you kind of you kind of give it away a little bit at the beginning here but what is your favorite dlc of all time oh man this is so tough um because i have a hard time you know, I pick things and then I'm like, oh, but what about that one? Or, oh, I completely forgot about this one. Um, but yeah, I think it always has to be Minerva's Den for Bioshock 2. Um, yeah, I love that expansion answer. so much. It's so engaging, you know, story-wise. Uh, has the same stuff you would love about the story of, like, 1 and just the world building of 2. But with keeping the gameplay changes that 2 brought... Uh, the environment's really cool. It has a like techno futuristic look that the other two games didn't really have. Um, yeah, I I love that expansion a lot. Yeah, Minerva's Den is super cool. Um, I would have to give a shout out to Bioshock Infinite's DLC as well, though. It is like wild to me that you never got around to that. It's so good. Burial at Sea is is phenomenal. Um, it is phenomenal because the second part of that DLC, they released it in two parts. The first part is more traditional um, gameplay-wise. It plays like Infinite. But the the second part, they turned it into a stealth game. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, That's wild. Yeah, they changed the genre of the video game. It's, it's really cool. Um, oh, yeah. Also, yeah. in the Gone Too Far made a whole new game would be Dishonored Death of the Outsider. Oh, that's a good call. Um... Yeah, my favorite is so hard. I am really partial to Undead Nightmare. <laughs> Undead Nightmare is a lot of fun for Red Dead Redemption. Um, they basically made a made like a non-canon zombie story in the Red Dead Redemption universe. <laughs> so it's like, like Red Dead Redemption is very much a very serious, you know, video game, and it's 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 there's not a lot of levity in there. Um, but this part of it just basically makes it a non-canon 
where you you're revisiting these places and these characters but now it's like a zombie story and it's really campy and goofy it's it's a whole lot of fun and it's really long too there's like a lot to do with it uh which i thought was kind of amazing Um, yeah that's that's interesting i still have yet to play a red dead redemption game so but that's definitely something to look forward to when i get to it it's definitely one that whatever we do those games for for the show it, that will get its own episode because i think it's substantial enough too which is kind of amazing um, another one that should get its own episode but we haven't gotten around to it yet is prey moon crash <laughs> right yeah you, um, you you really like that i i have not yeah yet. it was something i didn't really uh gravitate to immediately after i finished prey i played a little bit of it and i was like nah i'm good i think i just got burnt out playing the main game right before uh, but I did play it recently, not too long ago, and uh, it's pretty fun. You know, it takes a the roguelike genre of, you know, doing the same thing over and over again, getting better at it, but putting a unique twist on it where, um, you know, it does the same sort of system that Risk of Rain did, where the longer you spend, the harder the enemies get. Um, so hmm. it encourages you to, like, memorize the map and figure out what shortcuts you can take and... Um, the only thing I found a little annoying and we could probably save this for a full review is like it splits the classes. So the classes have the different powers that you would have had in one character in the main game. Um, but just using what you have to get around, I think is really enjoyable. Interesting. Yeah. And that's another case too, where they changed the genre, which I think is interesting. Um, that's always like a really ambitious thing that I think is cool. Uh, of course, of course we talked about it in the last of us episode, but left behind is, is really beautiful um i think narratively oh maybe 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 um minerva's den beats it i don't know that's a really hard one but like those those are both really good examples of dlc um i think minerva's den has a, a lot more of a um like explorable plot if that makes sense where like there's a lot to ingest with minerva's den like ex- expanding on the setting and the characters that were in there and what relationships they had uh, Left Behind really dials into one relationship and fleshes it out in its short runtime, and um, yeah, I think Left Behind does a almost a better, not a better job, but it does as good a job at telling this relationship story that the core game does only in about like an eighth of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's really beautiful. It also does, you know, you got to give credit too. It is the first time they introduced like factions of enemies that you can pit against each other. So even on a gameplay level, they they implemented and improved um, for that one as well. Um, I I have to give a shout out because I want to sing Gears of War's praises, specifically Gears of War three and uh, Gears of War five, because they had single player DLC. Gears of War three has a really fun DLC where it's like a prequel. So it's telling uh, a different tale with a completely different new cast of characters. And it's just, like, really good. It's, like, a really good, like, two to three hour chunk of Gears of War. That's story-based. That's really fun. And I, I feel like it never gets brought up in these kinds of conversations. It's it's just really fun. If you're playing Gears of War 3, don't dismiss that DLC. It's great. Um, and I hear... I haven't got around to Gears of War 5's DLC yet, but I hear it's also really good. Um, so I'm really excited to finally get to that. Uh, when I have time. So the only thing I have kind of negative thoughts about on our list, honestly, and it, it's not that I think it's bad, but I don't think it lives up to everything else here, is the Spider-Man DLC. Did you ever get around to that? Um, I started it, and I 
didn't finish the first part. It's split into three parts, and I didn't finish the first one. Yeah, it's, like, fine. <laughs> like, it's just, like, fine. It feels like a lot of setup for Spider-Man 2, I think, which is okay. But, like, I just it just remember feeling more of the same. And as much as I love Spider-Man and was praising it earlier, it is a game with really good pacing, which means, like, when you finish that game, you're kind of good. <laughs> like, I, like, I feel like it's paced out in a way that, like, you're, it's really satisfying and so then playing more of it after that just doesn't feel super good and especially when that more is just kind of more of the same um yeah it's one that i feel like if i played as it was coming out might have been more interesting where you have the real life time gap between releases yeah um, that definitely helps which i might do this time you know i'll 100 the main game and then wait several months and then play the dlc in parts um, that might help out, actually. Uh, yeah, it, it has some really good character stuff, though. I, I don't want to downplay it too much. It is good. I just, I, I just think like of everything that we have listed on here, it is probably the weakest. Um, but you know, that just says more about how strong some of the stuff we think about when we think about DLC really is. Um, so, so you talk about waiting, though. One of the biggest problems I have with DLC is sometimes it comes out so late, and then you get back to the game and you forget how to play the game. Um, Horizon Horizons DLC the uh, the uh, the the Frozen Wilds had this for me where that game it does something cruel but also something really smart at the beginning of the DLC it pits you up against a, a really hard enemy like before you can even get into the new area it throws this really hard boss fight at you and I think it's really meant to say hey this DLC is hard and we're releasing it nine months after the video game came out. So this is here for you to bash your head against to remember how to play this, which is interesting and an interesting way to handle it. Because I remember that being a problem with Spider-Man, where like the first DLC of that game I struggled with because I hadn't been playing that game for like a couple months or whatever. Um, did you, have you had that feeling before? Yeah, I can. I could definitely see that being an issue. I don't remember a specific example of this, but. Um yeah if especially when you have to relearn the game's mechanics after being away for a while that can be a tough especially if you're trying to balance between returning players which you know a majority of the audience is if not all of them uh you know reteaching them the mechanics or catering to people who just finished the game so you want something more difficult maybe um yeah it's a tricky needle to thread but i feel like um you know that's I find it more annoying when a DLC uh, starts with a tutorial than when it doesn't, though. That's fair. And this really is only a problem for a fraction of people, right? The people who play it as it's releasing, which, you know, ultimately through re-releases and stuff like that, it's never going to be that way for most people, right? Because um, that's how I played the Witcher 3 DLC, right? Is like, I played through the main game. And I beat it, and then I was like, oh, now I get to play the DLC, like, right away. And I didn't have those issues, whereas I probably would have if I had played them on release. Well, um, and Mass Effect's DLC just works its way into the main game, right? Yeah, that's one, too, where I feel like you would get a better experience playing it <laughs> late. Because, yeah, it, it just works into the... weaves its way into the main narrative. Um, you know, whatever, through big side quest DLC, or in Mass Effect 2 and 3's cases... Like, whole characters. Whole characters were TLC in this games, which I think is just wild. Like, 
it's such an interesting thing um, to do that that way. But given the way those narratives works, I get why they're that way. It's just interesting. Um, some good DLC in that those games too, though. Um, there's some stuff there though that I, I gotta be honest, definitely feels like if you didn't play those at the time, you'd be missing on the narrative, which I do think is a little, little rough there. Um, definitely some stuff in between two and three that I'm like. Man, I feel like if you didn't play this, you'd be lost. <laughs> um, yeah, and that's always a risk you run, right? Where you add it on and you want it to tie into later things, but you also have to count on the fact that some people aren't going to want to pay more to experience it. Yeah, it's it's an interesting problem. Um, uh, you know, we, we talk, we're talking about story DLC. I got to give a shout out to the Halo map packs, though. <laughs> Very nostalgic to the, for those. Um, specifically to the first one, which included Foundry, which was the map where they just went like, oh, people like this Forge thing, and they're kind of forcing their own maps into it, even though we didn't really create it for that. Screw it, let's just give them a warehouse environment and a bunch of shipping containers so they can create their own arenas. <laughs> and that was really cool. Um, so I gotta give a big shout out to Foundry from Halo 3. Um, that's where, like, modes like Griffball were born. <laughs> which is basically like their football equivalent, which has always been goofy and fun. Oh um, yeah, Foundry was the level I spent the most time in when I played Halo 3. Oh yeah, like it, it's just so much fun to like create your own little arenas and then they would expand on that in further maps. I think it was called... I think Sandtrap was the one in there before, but it was a different desert-themed level too that they also had, where they had like, you could build maps in the sky, um, so you just over yes. thin air sandtrap had the one that was underground and then there's a different one that had the one where there's a secret teleporter to take you into the sky no those are the same map so it had three planes it had an underground room a big massive underground room you could use um it had this second level which was the outdoor area where it had like these guns where if you ran out of bounds they would shoot you and then it had the the air area where you could just place objects in the air and there'd be some ground for them to stand on but that meant you could build build maps with you know jumping in mind and platforming um i think sand trap i see i'm getting confused because there was a different desert level in halo 3 that's the one that included like the elephants which are these big really slow vehicles um see, i, I thought that was sand trap but i can't yeah remember. that might be sand trap i can't remember the name of the other one maybe it was just called sandbox actually i think it might just have been called sandbox um that sounds right yeah really cool though and then they, you know, Forge just grew and grew um, to the point where Halo Reach had a level called Forge World, which was this just massive map um, where they... Just a series of islands that are increasing in size. and they Yeah, look and, and in that level, they had a full-on, like, area that basically terrain-wise was Blood Gulch. So you could do stuff with that, which was super cool. Yeah, like, r really neat stuff. And Halo 4 and 5 have really robust editing tools and... You know, I assume Halo Infinite will as well, which is super exciting. Um, <coughs> so yeah, uh, DLC is cool, y'all. <laughs> yeah, um, it's weird because um, I feel like, especially back in back in the 360 era, you know, the early 2000s, it was kind of a thing where a DLC was both praised and criticized i feel like that was the era where we got some of the best dlc you know with bioshock and halo and uh stuff like that but the it was also the time when people were criticizing it for like why isn't this part of the main game 
um, I think mainly just because it was like a sort of a new concept at the time. Um, I would gladly take paid DLC over games of service game, but that's personal preference. I'm aware. Um, yeah, it's, it's strange to, cause there's so many ways to go about it that, you know, depending on the size and the scale and the price of it and all of that kind of dictates how you feel about it. You know, sometimes DLC is a little overpriced for what it is. Sometimes you're paying $15 for a couple costumes and you're crazy. <laughs> um, yeah. but yeah, so it's, it's a mixed bag, but overall I think it's a good way to add on to a game that people already love. So it's interesting because I, I noticed when we, we were listing all this stuff um, and we're talking about these things, um, you know, which things we like best. Almost all of our examples come from the PS3 360 generation. <laughs> um, with a couple of notable exceptions here, we have control listed and, you know, stuff like that. But like a lot of these come from that generation. And I feel like it hasn't until been recently that we've seen like the return of specifically story DLC. I feel like that that has been a weird thing last generation on the PS4 and Xbox One that hasn't really it hasn't really shined. Um, it's just been a weird drop off where I notice like I don't really buy DLC anymore, and that's like changing this year with Final Fantasy and Ghost of Tsushima and in Control, honestly, um, and Spider Man probably part of that as well. Um, but like it, it was kind of rare for me to want to even buy DLC of this past generation, which I think is interesting. Did you have that effect as well? Yeah, I was one, I was never really one that bought a lot of DLC anyway, just because I was fairly young during the, <laughs> the 360 era. Um, like the only real 360 DLC I can remember buying was Minerva's Den. Um, right. but yeah, I did notice that like, that early PS4 era definitely really didn't have a whole lot of, um, a lot of DLC that I felt was worth buying. Granted, I didn't get my PS4 until way later, but, um, yeah, I could see what you mean there. Yeah. And of course there are exceptions again, you know, the Witcher three, of course, Horizon Zero Dawn. Um, I think a lot of people actually, we don't have it on here. would probably say Bloodborne. Um, I always forget about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, there are, of course, exceptions to the rule here, but, you know, this, this, it makes sense because it lines up with, like, games as a service, right? You know, we had Destiny and, and all that, and Call of Duty kind of transitioned to, like, which I actually think was a good thing. Instead of charging you for map packs, they were just like, we're just giving you the maps for free, and now we have microtransactions, which, you know, it makes feelings about that bit, but, like, I think a lot of people making multiplayer games realize that, like, oh, they're splitting the audience by introducing paid maps and stuff, so we probably should stop doing that. Um, and so I, I think that a lot of focus turned to that instead, which I think is interesting. And I think it's interesting that we're kind of seeing DLC come back in little ways. Um, you know, with, again, Ghost of Tsushima and Final Fantasy. Um, it's uh, Outer Wilds. Um, you know, it, it, that that is interesting to me. Um, okay. Um, we didn't really talk about... Do you have a favorite DLC that just became a whole new game? That <laughs> is not DLC anymore. But it just bloomed uh, and they just decided to sell it as its own thing. Um, yeah, that would have to be Miles Morales or um, specifically Shovel Knight 
uh, Specter of Torment. I think that's probably the best Shovel Knight experience out of the four, honestly. <laughs> like, mm. I think it's that and the original game are the best of the four. But um, the, uh, Specter of Torment was the first one that they sold individually. Um, and I think it's still one like that because the first expansion was plague of shadows and i think that one's still just bundled with the first game (laughs) like i don't think they sell that one individually um but specter of torment was probably just like one of the best best dlc expansions that is its own game that i've played Ooh. see i'm with you on spider-man but i don't know over halo odst is hard (laughs) See, I still have not played ODST. ODST is very good. Um, yeah, it's a very good Halo. <laughs> um, a completely different tone from the other Halos, too, which I think is really interesting. Um, you know, there, there are actually fun bits, too, but, like, a lot of it's very dour. Um, that game has uh, sad jazz in it, which I think is really interesting. It's got a really good soundtrack. It's a very lonely experience through a good portion of it. Um, Halo ODST is kind of a banger, y'all. <laughs> Um. yeah I mean all these are pretty good Quest for Booty is a weird one because it's like it was clearly meant to be a DLC and then they just put out $15 on PSN <laughs> and it's like two hours long it's not that big of a deal um, Infamous First Light I really liked um, if you've never played an Infamous game it's a, it's a fun one to start with um, you play as a new character she has like neon powers so it looks dope like flying across the sky with these like really bright pinks and purples trailing behind you. It was cool. Um, Uncharted Lost Legacy is also really good, though. <laughs> um, yeah, I gotta go ODST. I gotta stick with Classic. ODST is really good. Um, yeah, is there any DLC... What are you most excited about in the future? I know we got uh, Outer Worlds coming up next. Or Outer Wilds? Which, which one is that? Outer Wilds. The Outer Worlds DLC, I believe, already came out. That was the Gorgon asteroid one. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, we got Outer Wilds DLC. So is that your most anticipated DLC release? Um, yeah, I think so. It's it's kind of hard keeping DLC in my brain. It is, <laughs> right? Like, an upcoming thing obviously i'm excited for death stranding director's cut and ghost of tsushima director's cut but there's cup yeah, dlc think, coming supposedly yeah someday uh that would be really fun um yeah i don't know i think outer wilds is one that i'm definitely the most immediately excited for um but i mean seeing I I also want to see what Nintendo does with their DLC because uh, we saw two really good examples, I think, with um, uh, Breath of the Wild and Splatoon 2, where they added on to the base game, like they knew the base game sold really well for a reason, so they just kind of added on to that and made it bigger. Um Breath of the Wild was split into two parts, but part one was kind of lacking, honestly. Um, But part two, with like an added dungeon and a bunch of uh, additional shrines and stuff like that, I believe that was all in part two. You want to hear something gross? You want to hear something gross? I bought that DLC 
and then never touched it. But you get a motorcycle. Never once. I never went back to Breath of the Wild. I was excited about the motorcycle, and then never touched that DLC. And I'm disgusted with myself. There's an extra divine beast in that. I'm disgusting. I hate it. Go play it. When we're done recording, go play it. I have too much to do. (laughs) You have to get a motorcycle. Uh, Part one also had the, the Master Sword Trials, which was a good test of, you know, what you learned throughout the main game. Um, so I think that's like a really good example of just adding on to what was established. Uh, same with Splatoon 2. Splatoon 2 added a lot of like just an entirely additional story campaign, which the story campaigns for Splatoon games are underrated in my opinion. I think they're really solid. Um, but the Splatoon 2 Octo expansion had some of the most challenging Splatoon levels made that really like make you think about your weapons and using all of your tools. And uh, it's really, it's really tough, but it adds like a sense of you can pay more of your currency your like um, train tickets. You can pay more, uh, less of them to make it easier, but then you don't get as much of as a reward for beating it. Um, so you can kind of challenge yourself a little bit more to get a better reward for it. Or you could be like me and just be every level with every weapon. Um, plus then you unlock the Octolings to play in multiplayer, which was a cool bonus. Um, it also has like the hardest boss fight I've ever faced in any video game. And that's the inner agent three fight. Uh, anyone who's played that knows that it's absolutely bullshit because they take away all of your good powers and they give the enemy every superpower in the game at once. <laughs> um, but I did beat it twice. So, you know, there's my brag for Splatoon 2. Uh, n- nice brag. Um, I got to give a shout out. I just realized I forgot to put it on our list. <laughs> Resident Evil 7 has some of the most insane DLC I have ever played, and I highly recommend, if you haven't played it, to play it. (laughs) I don't want to spoil it. It is wild what they did with that game. Um, They did, did like, two major ones. Well, they did a couple ones. They did, like, these things called found footage, where these, like, little horror scenes, which were pretty good for the most part. Um, And then they did one with Chris, which just, like, made it into an action game. Um, which is kind of wild on its face because Resident Evil 7 is just this very slow, creepy-ass horror game. Uh, but the second story DLC they did is wild. <laughs> it is wild, and people should experience that. Um, that's all I'll say on that. I, I just need to say it. <laughs> um, I gotta give a shout-out to Mario Kart 8's DLC, because... That was also really good. I know it's like so old at this point, we kind of forget, and it's been included in Deluxe, but those are some of the best tracks in the whole game. Oh yeah, you get Dragon Driftway and Excite Bike Arena and the two F-Zero tracks, uh, Animal Crossing track. Zelda. Baby Park. Yeah. Yeah, that's the DLC that will make me disappointed when they announce Mario Kart 9 and not Nintendo Kart. Uh, please, because of Super that Smash DLC. Kart. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> that would be way just fun. Just do it. Um, Put Kirby in there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we should address this at the beginning. I know, um, listeners, if you're listening and you're like, 
Why are they talking about old PC stuff? <laughs> we know. We know there were expansion packs before the 360. Um, we just didn't play them. This is a personal conversation. Um, yeah, I mean, if we're shouting out stuff like that, then the Half-Life chapters, the yeah. additional ones for Half-Life 1, those ones are pretty good. Stuff like Opposing Force, um, which was developed by Gearbox. I know that one's a big favorite. Um, also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the the true OG of downloadable content, Sonic Adventure. Right. For the Dream for the dreamcast <laughs> right yep yep the the banger that that is get your christmas tree get your christmas tree um how do you feel about mods do you think mods count as dlc um no i think mods are an entirely separate kettle of fish because, because... they can act as it in a weird way yeah but you don't I, they sit different in my brain because you don't pay for them <laughs> It is true. You don't pay for some DLC. I'm gonna wreck this for you. That's true, but DLC isn't always paid. That's true, but they're also DLC is more official. <laughs> uh, yeah, interesting. Uh, That's not it, to say that, but some mods do feel like full ass DLC chapters that I'm like, oh wow, okay. Yeah, totally. Um, and I especially like to see when developers just fully embrace that, like. Um, another game with great dlc a hat in time oh yes uh, i still um, haven't played that dlc that dlc is pretty cool i think they finally released it on ps4 like they never did it for a long time which is why i never got around to it because i didn't want to rebuy the whole game and i think they finally did it and i just missed it <laughs> but yeah that game's support for like modding has been really cool to see you know adding in whole mario levels into that game was fun um yeah and then plus i think we mentioned in the last report even mods for old games that feel like new games like banjo kazooie mods and mario 64 mods and ocarina of time mods yeah. that are just like whole ass games that's ass games. that's a whole other thing so the reason i have this on my brain is because have you been reading about that that new game the forgotten city that just came out no i have not Okay, so this actually seems like it's probably your shit, honestly. Um, so what this was, is it was a Skyrim mod. And it's a like a really massive Skyrim mod um, with a really cool idea. You know, we'll probably say that for another time. But, like, you know, it's it's a long mod and it has, like, really good writing, apparently. Apparently it won, like, awards. I think it won a BAFTA for its writing as a mod, which is kind of insane. Um, and this week it got its own standalone release. So it's been on my mind... Um, and I've been thinking about that, like, where do mods sit in relation to DLC? They kind of function the same way, but you're right, they're not created by the original authors, they're just created by fans, essentially. <laughs> and, and I find that really interesting. Yeah, for it to categorize as DLC, I feel like it has to be either officially made or officially endorsed. Because um, you could argue that, like, half-life opposing force wasn't made by valve it was made by gearbox but it was you know endorsed and published by valve so it kind of counts there yeah it's a so are you telling me the um the mod to put eggman into sonic's levels in sa2 is not real <laughs> it's not, not dlc count. but it is That's a lot DLC. of fun <laughs> it's very good um even if it crashes the game on occasion <laughs> cool um any last minute call outs you want to make on dlc um 
I will shout out to the best some of the best DLC. The Witcher Three has excellent DLC, like excellent. That first DLC pack, I think it's Hearts of Stone, is so good. You guys, like if you play The Witcher Three, make sure you play that. It's really good. And that's not even the DLC pack that adds a new land. Like the second DLC pack adds a whole new environment, uh, which is also really good. But I like the first one better, just because the narrative I think is more interesting. Um, yeah, I will say, um, feel free to tweet at us your favorite DLCs. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, Assassin's Creed has had some bangers in the past too. I will say um, that we didn't really talk about. Yeah, if there's ones that we missed, which I'm sure there's a ton that we missed, uh, definitely tweet them at us. That's at SaveStationPod on Twitter. Uh, you can also tweet at either of us. I'm at ConiferSSR on Twitter. Uh, where can they find you, Dustin? At DustinHDragon on Twitter. Yeah, thank you for listening. And yeah, yeah, totally tweet us your DLC uh, opinions. I- I'd love to hear them. Um, yeah, and... Thank you for listening, and please remember to always be good to each other. Yeah, and take care. Bye.